I grew up believing three things as a child that have turned out not to be true as an adult that I'd like to discuss. One thing, you watch animated cartoons in my day, nothing ever happened to babies. Sweet pea skirted danger, all while Popeye reaped the consequences of walking in the street without looking both ways. Uh, pardon me, officer. Bright-eyed minion of the law. Nothing ever happens to people with mobility visual impairment. Mr. Magoo walked through all sorts of danger because he didn't see it. He didn't know it was there. He was shielded by his ignorance. I can't see it's a lion, so it's not a lion. So I'm fine. Whereas anybody who can see, that's when they get in trouble. It's the fact that they can see danger that causes them to be enveloped by danger. If you can't see danger, you're fine. That's funny though, it's funny because attention, we all know that we can see Mr. Magoo is in trouble and so is Sweet Pea because we can see the danger for them and we're gonna go help them, that causes us to have trouble. We get in trouble because we're trying to help those people who are not watching where they're going and they're, they're putting themselves in danger. You know, how much can you help a person like that, truly? That's the joke, uh, isn't it? Like, they should really be paying attention. What are you, blind? The third thing that I grew up now knowing isn't true is um, this idea that blind kids don't want to use their white canes. This video explores how adults taught blind kids to ignore their need for safe mobility. Every child who was blind, if you ask them in the 60s to use their white cane, they were going to tell you, no, I don't need a white cane. But what I'm saying to you is, as an adult, I know that's not true. Blind people aren't crazy. They're just misunderstood. I'm Especially sorry. blind Ms. babies. Robin didn't tell you, did I? The sorry. scenes from the video are actual blind elementary and high school blind children in 1966 without mobility tools of any kind. This is Marcia Negro Dresser. I interviewed her January 20th, 2000. She was born blind in 1950. And when she entered kindergarten is when she knew she was different. She realized something all the adults already knew how much more capable her sighted peers were than she was. How long have you had a vision impairment? All my life. I, I'm an RLF for baby. The ROP, they call it now. Are you totally blind? Yeah. Or? Okay. When did you first um, realize you were visually impaired? I think maybe kindergarten, because I was with other kids that were, that, that were running around doing things and Marcia noticed her peers ran around and she didn't, and that set them apart. Running without a two-step safety buffer is not recommended. This blind high schooler is being shadowed for safety by a sighted peer. This sends the same message. Sighted kids are more capable. Did you have any kind of travel tool um, in kindergarten? No. No, I didn't, I didn't even see a cane till fourth grade. So, I hated it. you hated the cane? I hated it. Oh man, I used to get around without it. What I used to do, actually when I was younger, I would take my doll carriage. Um, we lived in Reading, Massachusetts then, and I, took my, I would take my dolls for a walk downtown, which was just all the way down the end of our street, turn left and go maybe eight blocks down another street, and I'd be, I'd be downtown, and my doll carriage would act as the cane, because when it went off the curb, I knew I had to step off the curb, you know? Uh-huh. Pretty ingenious. Absolutely. <laughs> 
so that, that was my cane, if you call that a travel tool. <laughs> Marsha recalls hating the long white cane, and yet she uses her favorite toy as a safety buffer. So she longed to be safe. She just was taught to say she didn't want the safety of a white cane. So you would be with your mom? No. By yourself? I used, I used to just go, with, <laughs> I used to just take off and, and go down the street and go downtown when I was about, like, you know, I don't know, eight. You were given the green light to, to do and go? I was. I, my, my, my mother would send my brother off after me. He was kind of mad. He had to go rescue me. But my, our, our faithful German shepherd, Lissy, would always go with me and watch out for me. Uh. And, and um, you know, she knew, she, she, my parents never held me back. I was very, very lucky. I just thank God for my parents every day. Yeah. I really do, because I'm sure other parents chastised them for what they were doing, and I'm sure they had many sleepless nights, you know, but what they did paid off. She was allowed to be independent. And her mantra, thank goodness my parents insisted I go out in the world without any way to protect myself. Marcia grew up with the notion that white canes made you less independent. And in fact, that's what was being said in 1945 and in 1960. Adults who had grown up without any white canes, all that that is the only way is to grow up without safety if you're blind. But what choice did she have? She wasn't in charge of safety. The adults are in charge of safety. And if they wanted to give her a cane or not give her a cane or tell her she needed a cane, or it was on them. And instead, the messages that clearly were getting through to her was independent blind kids don't need white canes. Then I didn't have the cane though until, because I went back to Reading and I didn't have it again until my junior year in high school. So now I'm just trying to picture this. You're you're totally blind. Yep. And you have figured out that travel without a cane is possible and you're not coming back with bruises, you're not No. I was careful. There were also no curbs. And then I would walk to the next corner which was Temple Street and I had to cross that and turn left and go down maybe another block to my school. And then I turned right into the school driveway and I shorelined with my foot up to the door. Yeah. Did you ever get lost? Um, a couple times, but not not seriously. I, I didn't. I usually didn't go exploring too far off a place I didn't know. I, I wasn't adventurous like that too much. I, I think I did a couple of times, but I didn't really get seriously lost. I think I did once, and it scared me. Yeah. So I didn't. You know, I, I didn't try to go crazy. <laughs> I actually went where I knew where I was going. She hated the cane and yet admitted to bumping into classmates, walking slowly, have to keep one foot on the grass and the other one on the sidewalk. That's the job of the white cane, to shoreline and to locate drop-offs. And then once she was provided with the long cane, it didn't make any sense to her. That's what growing up without any safe mobility does to you. It gives you this false sense of understanding about what safety can really be for a child. That's what we've done to blind kids when we teach them to grow up without safe mobility. We teach them there is nothing that can keep you safe, nothing. All the adults stand around patting themselves on the back for Marcia surviving without any safe mobility and we continue to do that. Marcia is a warrior. She was put in a very difficult situation and she was told that this is the very best anyone can be if you're blind. This is the best we can do for you, is allow you to 
struggle with safety. Travel instruction as a course is not given to the elementary school child. No white cane safety was thought needed for blind children long after White Cane Day had been enacted and celebrated annually. Is a hands-off policy on the part of the classroom teacher. Teaching of orientation and mobility techniques is alertness to changes in familiar terrain and to unexpected obstacles. So the white cane was not invented for your child. Nobody was caring about the safety of blind babies in 1945 or in 1968. And I'd like you to hear from two men born even before there were dog guides. Fred and George were both born blind in the late 1920s and both grew up without any safe mobility. They also both attended uh, residential schools for the blind for their education. And once outside the protective gates of their residential schools, they learned quickly what a mistake it is to walk without safe mobility. Here they are in their own words. Without the cane, I had some experiences. I fell off the platform a few times. You did? Oh my. What happened? There was no train coming in. That's good. Oh, thank God, that was good. Yeah. Yeah. But did you get hurt? No, I, no, I jumped up. You know. Wow. That's very high. <laughs> it's about chest high. Yeah. Probably, yeah. Ah. I, I hit them all. I hit the DMP and the IRT and the independent mine. Oh, so you got to go in all the tracks? Yeah, yeah nothing. <laughs> Three times. As adults, Fred and George bought themselves white canes. They finally overcame the unrealistic expectation placed on them since birth. That as blind kids, they should use everything but a white cane to be independent. And Marsha used a dog guide most of her life. I am Dr. Grace Ambrozak and I am an orientation and mobility specialist who taught white cane travel for 30 plus years. I invented the bell cane so that blind toddlers could grow up knowing only safe mobility. Join me in making 2024 the year we understand blind people. Blind babies really hate running their bodies directly into furniture and walls, and they would much rather greet the world with their two-step safety buffer between them and it. And Safe Toddles has invented a safety buffer that works best for blind babies, but more white cane designs are needed. Once they're safe, they'll learn everything you teach them. Just give them the chance. Safe Toddles is a nonprofit. Our mission is to provide parents with a white cane solution for keeping their toddlers who are blind safe as they explore and learn about their world. For more information, contact us, info at safetoddles.org or call 845-244-6600.
You can change a life by donating a bell cane today. Oh, 好, 